listening to the Living Room North Living Room North podcast. Hey, what's up, TLR? Uh, thank you. Hey, awesome. Thank you for that warm welcome. So good to see you guys tonight. I'm so glad you decided to join us. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Heath, and uh, I'm on staff here at Brownsbridge. I work with Inside Out, the high school ministry. And uh, every now and again, my good friend Ryan asked me to come and talk to you guys. And so I'm so excited to be here. I'm so grateful to get to kind of share with you a little bit about what God's been uh, teaching me. Um, if you were here uh, sometime in the fall, I don't even remember when it was, maybe like September or something, um, I came and I had the opportunity to talk to you guys, and I was giving you a little bit. Uh, you guys did fam updates tonight, and uh, I, I gave you kind of a family update for me and my wife. Uh, we were uh, currently between houses at the time, which is an uh, interesting way to say that we were homeless. Uh, we, were, uh, we had sold a house, and we were trying to buy a house, and we were kind of in this weird limbo. And then, oh, by the way, my wife was pregnant, and I was kind of in this season where then I got asked to come and talk to you guys and talk about trusting in the Lord no matter what. And it was one of those moments where I was like, this is very challenging to me because I'm in a season where it's not very easy for me to trust in the Lord. And now I'm being asked to tell you about how you should trust in the Lord in the season of life you're in. And so uh, tonight to kind of close the, the book on that chapter uh, just from, from last semester, because I know, I mean, so many of you guys have been calling me and texting me and emailing me, Heath, how are you doing? Dude, I've been praying for you. I know things have been so hard. And just to like, you know, kind of put everybody's minds at ease so you guys can wrap up the year uh, on a good note. I want to let you guys know that we are no longer homeless. We found a place to live. Thank you in the back. I love you guys. Um, uh, and the really cool thing is recently uh, I got to become a dad. And so this is my son, Duncan. Uh, this is Duncan. Uh, he is adorable. He's five weeks old and so handsome. He gets his good looks from his dad because um, his mom still has hers. hey um, you guys, that's a good one. You'll get that later. Um, yeah, so I'm so excited. But the thing is about being a dad, uh, I have no idea how to be a dad. Like, it turns out they send you home from the hospital and give you no instructions. I was waiting on some kind of uh, booklet or a pamphlet, some kind of instruction manual. As a guy, I had never changed a diaper until I changed my son's diaper a few, you know, uh, weeks ago. And uh, I'd never swaddled a baby. I'd never fed a baby a bottle. Like, I just have not been around babies a lot as a, a, a human being. And so everything is new and exciting and challenging and different for me because I don't know how to do anything. It turns out... Parenting is hard. And so uh, tonight is not a sex ed lesson, but if it was, uh, don't become a parent until you're ready because it's not easy. It's very difficult. If you're here last week, uh, our good friend Lauren kicked off uh, week one of our series, Hustle and Flow, and she talked about this idea of godliness. And uh, if you were here and you got to hear that, um, I know you were really challenged by it. I was challenged by it listening to it. If you missed last week, I would encourage you to check out that message and get caught up because she really challenged us on the first step of, of, of this idea of godliness is really just kind of knowing your heavenly father and it's, it's having a relationship with Jesus. And so this week, I'm gonna kind of pick up where she left off in Second uh, Peter and just kind of really talk about that very concept that I'm struggling with at home of I don't know how to become a dad. I know I want to become a dad. I know I wanted to be a dad. And this is something that my wife and I prayed for for a long time but I don't really know how. Well, if, if you left last week thinking, I think I want to be godly. I want to become more like God. I want to grow my relationship with Jesus. I want to grow in my faith. I want to become the person that God has created me and called me to be. I'm so glad you decided to come tonight because that's tonight's message of some practical steps about how you can grow in godliness. Because I believe this statement to be true, is that the pursuit of godliness promises to add value to every area 
of your life. This idea of chasing godliness and becoming more like God, becoming more like who God created you and called you to be is gonna add value to every aspect of your life. So to, to put the, the, the message towards me for a minute and say, hey, Heath, if you wanna be a better dad, if you wanna learn how to be a good dad, you don't worry so much about being a good dad. You need to pursue godliness. And in the process, you will become the dad that you wanna be. And the same is true for you guys. You know, whatever stage of life you're in, whatever season of life God has you in right now, if you want to excel, if you want to succeed, if you want to achieve your hopes and dreams, you can do those things. But first and foremost, pursue God and all those things will be added unto you. And that's our challenge. And that's kind of our, our, our word for tonight. And we're gonna pick up in 2 Peter chapter one. Uh, Lauren did verse three and four. I'm gonna pick up in verse five. This is what 2 Peter chapter one, verse five says. It says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. And then he gives a list. And so really the bulk of my time tonight is gonna be consumed with this list of things that, that Peter tells us to add to our faith. And this word where he says, uh, make every effort to add to your faith, he's kind of telling us uh, two important things. Uh, the first thing is he tells us to make every effort which tells you that there is going to be some participation required. If your life is going to transform, if you're going to become the person that God's called you to be and equipped you to be, there's going to have to be some participation on your behalf. Said better, you could say it this way, that God designed transportation, <laughs> transformation, transportation is your car, that's how you got here. God designed your transformation, becoming the person he called you to be, to, be, to require your participation. So if you're going to be transformed, if your life is going to be different, if you think that your life can be better, if you have growing to do, if you want to become a better person, if you want to become more like who God called you to be, if you want to become more like Jesus in your life, it's going to require some participation on your part. And we know this to be true because you think about it in every other area of life. You guys, many of you are in college right now. You don't just show up freshman year and be like, cool, I'm going to, you know, just hang out with my friends go to parties, you know, kick it on the weekend, stay up to hours of night, and four years later, they're just gonna hand me a diploma. Like at this point in time, you've probably figured out there's going to have to be some participation, as bad as you may hate it, there has to be some participation from your part in order to reach the transformation of high school grad to college grad. There's gonna be some participation on your part. The same is true in almost every area of our life and specifically in this area of growing in godliness. So Peter tells us that we're gonna have to make every effort we're gonna have to participate to get this transformation, to add these things to our lives. And I'm gonna get to these things in just a second. But that word, add these things to your life, and other translations will say to, to supplement to your life or, or even one way to translate that word is to, to furnish your life. And I started thinking about like a house or, or like an apartment. Um, think about your life as like a, a brand new house, a brand new apartment that is empty. And you have an unlimited bank account and unlimited resources to furnish it however you want to. That is essentially an analogy for your life. God has given you a life. And, and at this stage in your life, you have your entire life before you and you have every opportunity to furnish your life, to add to your life, whatever you want. If you want to chase the almighty dollar and make as much money as possible and that's what you want your entire life to revolve around, you can do that. If you want to you know, chase the, 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 the ideal family and have the perfect family unit where you have you know, two and a half kids, I don't know how that works, but somehow two and a half kids and a white picket fence and live in the suburbs and, and be happily ever after, you can do that. If you want to uh, live your life in such a way that you bring honor and glory to God and, and live your life in a way that is honoring and pleasing to him, you can do that. But if in order to do that, you're gonna have to add certain things to your life. There's gonna be a participation required for you 
in order for your life to transform into that thing. And so your challenge tonight is to think about your life, evaluate where you are, evaluate where you are with God, evaluate where you are in your faith and evaluate what in your life is missing. I'm gonna give you seven things. I'm gonna give you, Peter gives us seven things that I'm gonna break down with you guys. Seven things to add to your life if you want to pursue this idea of godliness. And so for the, for the remainder of our time tonight, we're really gonna kind of chase those things and unpack those things. And there's seven of them. So anytime somebody on stage with a microphone says, I've got seven points, uh, two, one of two things is true. We're either gonna be here for an hour and a half or I'm gonna have to go really fast, okay? So uh, I don't think you guys want A, so I'm gonna give you B. So if, you get, uh, if you're taking notes and you get stuck, take a picture, write it down later, write really fast. It's good practice for finals coming up in a few weeks. Um, if these are the first notes you've taken all semester, uh, we'll pray with you afterwards. So here we go. Um, seven things that require your participation to grow you in, in your pursuit of godliness. Number one is goodness. I don't feel like I have to explain this word a lot to you, but the idea of goodness is essentially integrity of character. It's this, this, this value of your life where you're the same person in every setting that you find yourself. Now, and you know this is to be important, you know this to be true, because imagine for a second if we got done uh, with our service here tonight and I ran into you guys out in the halls, or maybe after this you, you wanna go buy groceries and we run into each other at the grocery store or somewhere at a restaurant, and I am a completely different person uh, in that setting than I am on stage. You'd be like, hey, Ryan, don't have that Heath guy back, right? Like his integrity isn't there. He's, he's really nice and friendly and his jokes are hilarious. My, my sides were hurting from laughing on stage all night. I mean, it was just a fantastic. And then I get in, in person, I see him at the grocery store in the restaurant and he's cold, he's mean, he's not very friendly. Like, like I don't trust that guy's goodness. This, this, this value of integrity and character isn't there. We know this to be a, a, an important characteristic an important value, not only to our lives, but it's actually a reflection of a value that God has as well. And so a way to say this is, is like this. It is impossible to experience lasting influence and meaningful relationships without personal integrity. If you can't be the same person in every setting that you find yourself, something in your life needs to change. You either need to quit faking it in one and be the real you everywhere, or you need to uh, really evaluate which one of those is the real you. And so in your life, here's just kind of a question to ask yourself if, if how you're doing in the area of goodness is would your decisions, public or private, encourage or erode trust? Meaning if people got to know you in private, the, the you behind closed doors, the you when you get back home, the you when you're with your closest friends or your family, are you the same person that you are when you're at TLR on Wednesday night, when you're at church on a Sunday morning, when you're at, at class on a, a Tuesday afternoon, when, wherever you are, do people see the same you everywhere you go? And does that you know, help them see you in a light of saying, hey, that person is the same. It, it encourages trust. I trust them. They're a good person. They're a person of high integrity, high character, high values. Or does it say, hey, that, that's kind of a questionable thing. So uh, Peter kind of challenges. He starts off, he's like, hey, if you want to grow in your pursuit of godliness, start by becoming the same person everywhere you go and, and grow in goodness. The second one, he adds to goodness and he says, and, and to goodness, add knowledge. The second one is knowledge. Now, this may seem pretty simple. I don't have to explain what knowledge is, but it's more than just a memorization of facts and events and figures. I'm not gonna stand up here and tell you guys that you should just memorize the whole Bible. I don't think that is necessarily godliness. It might help you in your godliness, but that's not all that it is. This idea of knowledge is, is more than just head knowledge. It's a, it's a living out the knowledge that you have. It's probably more akin to the word wisdom, the knowledge. And anytime you, you've met somebody who's full of wisdom, you, you have to think about them. And, and if you, if you peel, peel back the layers and ask them questions, like, hey, how did you get so wise? What are the things that you learned and, and you figured out in your life? Like, how did you get to be the, the wisest person that I've ever met? You know, most people aren't saying, well, I just discovered it on my own. Most of us learn from other people. 
And so a good way to say this knowledge idea is to look at it like this. The best kind of wisdom is sought out, not found within. If you wanna grow in this area of wisdom, it's really probably not gonna happen if you just take a lot of long walks or you're super introspective or going back through your old journals. If you really want a humbling thing, if you're a kind of person that journals, write down your thoughts, go back and read the person you were last year or two or three years ago and you'll reread that stuff and you'll be like, oh my gosh, I was, I was so dumb. I, I made so many mistakes and I wish I could go back and tell that 16 year old version of me, what are you doing? You know, break up with him, don't be with her. Don't hang out with that group of friends. Like so often, we just need people in our lives to help us see the things that everybody else sees. And so if you're thinking about wisdom and you want to grow in this area of knowledge, there's a great question to ask yourself here too. And it's this, is there a voice with permission to speak candidly into your life? Is there somebody in your life who you have given permission to tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you both God, right? Like, is there somebody in your life who you have given permission to say, hey, if I'm being stupid, I need you to tell me because I may be too stupid to realize that I'm being stupid. If I'm making bad decisions, if I'm heading down a bad path, who in your life is challenging you in those areas? Now, obviously, this is a really great time for me to plug your incredible TLR leaders, these people that sit with you, they give up time away from their family, their friends on Wednesday night to come here because they're the kind of people that have had wisdom imparted to them and they want you to seek out wisdom from them. So they give up their time to join you guys on Wednesday nights in order to be someone that you can seek out wisdom from to help you figure out the things that you learn, how to apply them to your daily lives. So Paul tells, Paul, Peter tells us that uh, if we wanna grow in godliness, start with goodness and add to that knowledge. And then to knowledge, he tells us to add this third one, which is self-control. Now, when it comes to self-control, you all probably understand that because you're uh, smart and capable human beings that's to control oneself, right? Like it's a pretty easy definition. But I think in our lives of self-control, it really breaks down into two separate categories. The first one being restraints. Self-control often looks like restraint. It's not doing things that you know you shouldn't do, right? If you're in a relationship that is toxic, you should probably get out of that relationship, not continue to be in it. If, if you're in a relationship with somebody and they're wanting you to, to, to sleep together or do things, you should restrain yourself from doing those things so that you can be the kind of person that God has called you to be and not to leave in your past a, a series of broken relationships and heartaches and failures and things that you regret down the road. So when we talk about self-control, it starts with restraint. Basically not doing things you know you shouldn't be doing anyways. It's, it's, it's controlling oneself to hold back from things that are long-term damaging to who the person that you're trying to become. And the second part is not, not only not doing the things you shouldn't do, but it is doing the things that you should do and having the discipline to do those. So it's restraint, holding back from the things you shouldn't do, and discipline, making yourself do the things that you want to do. Think about it like this. If you want to uh, get in great shape, um, you're not gonna get in great shape by eating a tub of ice cream and watching Netflix every night, right? The, the way that you're gonna get in great shape is you're gonna have to eat right, you're gonna have to exercise, you're gonna have to discipline yourself to get up and go to the gym even when you don't feel like it and get on the treadmill and lift weights and do all the hard parts in order to, to get into shape. It doesn't just happen because you want it to happen, you have to discipline yourself. The same is true with this idea of self-control. The idea of self-control, if you wanna pursue godliness, if you wanna become more like Jesus, you're gonna to have to pull back from things that, that make you further away from Jesus. And you're gonna to have to make yourself do things that help you get closer to Jesus. You're gonna to have to pull back from those things that you do on Friday and Saturday night that you wake up the next morning with regrets and a headache and you don't wanna do those things. And you're gonna to have to force yourself to do things like spend time in his word, uh, being poured into by other believers, showing up to things like TLR, having conversations that challenge you to become the person 
that God wants you to be. So the question to ask yourself in, in the idea of the area of self-control is this. What do you allow to control you that isn't you? All of us allow things in our lives to control us, but what are the things that you allow to control you that aren't you? Because if there are things controlling you that aren't you, they're either things that are pushing you further from God or it's God himself, so you're surrendering yourself to him who's drawing you closer to God. So in this pursuit of godliness, Peter tells us, start with goodness, become a person of integrity and add to that knowledge, seek out wisdom. The third thing is self-control, knowing how to restrain yourself from things you shouldn't do and discipline yourself to do the things you, you should do. And the fourth thing, he's, he adds that, he adds to self-control, he adds perseverance. The fourth thing is perseverance. Now, this is a really difficult for, one for me because I feel like I struggle with this one. Uh, perseverance, uh, I think when I first started thinking about perseverance, I, I, my mind went to like the, the kid's story, like the little engine that could, right? It's, it's getting up the hill no matter what, and, and, and yeah, I think I can, I think I can. And perseverance is that, but it's so much more too. Because I think that my definition kind of working of perseverance is having the patience to get through whatever trial or whatever circumstance life is throwing at you in the moment. So I referenced earlier back in the fall when I was here and I was going through a difficult time where I was asking you guys to, to, to trust in God and, and, and I was straightforward with you to say, it's really difficult right now for me to trust in God. But in that moment, it was a test of my perseverance to say, hey, if you're gonna say that from stage, if you're gonna encourage people to do that in their lives, what does it look like for you to practice perseverance? What does it look like you to take a season of life that may be more difficult, that may be growing you in your faith, that may be challenging you to get outside your comfort zone? and to have peace in that moment and to trust God that he's up to something that maybe you cannot see. And so if you wanna grow in this area of perseverance, another way to say it is this, is that patience in adversity results in personal maturity. Patience in adversity, when life throws things at you that are difficult for you to get through, that are difficult for you to overcome, to have patience in that will lead to personal maturity in your life. Because essentially this idea of perseverance is trusting in God that he is gonna see us through no matter what life throws our way. So the question to ask yourself in this idea of perseverance is this, will you allow inevitable trials or difficulty to ruin you or grow you? Because essentially when, when life comes at you 100 miles an hour, and, and I promise you it will if it hasn't already, you have one of two options. You can shut down and, and wallow in self-pity and say, well, my life is ruined. My life is totally off track. I'm never gonna get it back on track. Or you can say, hey, this is an adversity that God's gonna see me through. And if I'm just patient, he will give me peace and I will come out of it stronger and my trust in him will be greater. And in that, you will begin to see yourself growing deeper and deeper into godliness. So Peter starts with goodness, tells us to add to that knowledge adds to that self-control, add to that perseverance. And our fifth one is actually godliness. And I read that and I was like, why in the world did he say godliness is a way to grow in, in godliness? And, and if you were here last week and you heard Lauren's talk, she defined this idea of godliness uh, this way for us. And I think it's so great that I just wanna read it to you. That godliness is the awareness of God's sovereignty over every aspect of, uh, <laughs> sorry, the word, of life and the determination and honor him in one's attitudes and actions. I couldn't see the word life. I was like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but to, to awareness of God's sovereignty over every aspect of your life. And so Peter says, hey, if you want to grow closer to Jesus, if you want to become the person God's called you to be, if you want to fulfill the, the, the life that God has laid out for you, you're gonna have to surrender to God's will for your life. You're going to have to lay down and trust in God's awareness that he does have a plan for you. And you may not see what it is and you may not know what's next for you, but he does have a plan for you. 
And the question to ask yourself is that, do your decisions reflect the faith that you profess? If you're a person of faith and you're, you're wanting to pursue godliness and become the person that God's called you to be, are the decisions that you make and the life that you live reflecting the words that you profess from your mouth? You call yourself a Christian, you say that you believe in Jesus, you, you show up to TLR on a Wednesday night, is the life that you live surrendering to every aspect, your emotions, your attitudes, your actions, everything that you do, is that surrendering to God and his plan for your life? It's really easy to say. It's really difficult to do. So Peter tells us to pursue godliness, we need goodness, we need self-control. Uh, no, we need knowledge, we need self-control, we need perseverance, we need godliness in our lives. Number six, he uses the word mutual affection. I didn't like that word, um, not because I'm not a fan. I thought it was a weird translation. Uh, another, another version of the Bible calls it this. It says the brotherly kindness. And essentially, as I was like reading it, uh, if you guys are familiar with the city of Philadelphia, what is the city of Philadelphia's nickname? Brotherly love, right? It's the city of brotherly love. Uh, this word literally that, that he uses, that Peter uses here is literally the word Philadelphian. And so it's literally this idea of like brotherly love for one another. It's, it's this idea of, of respect and, and kindness to your fellow man, fellow woman, fellow person of life. And so he says this, this idea of we need mutual affection. And essentially think about it in a way that like uh, kindness gets you further in life than uh, meanness ever does. And it's one of those ideas where um, I, I think about in my life, the people who have gone out of their way to, to be overly kind to me, the people who've gone out of their way to, to, to do something for me that they did not have to do, the people who've gone out of their way to, to help me in a way that they didn't have to. So I, again, I keep calling back to my, my story from months ago, but we were in a season of life where I'd sold my house and I was trying to buy another house and there was this like gap of like six weeks where me and my pregnant wife didn't have anywhere to live and I was freaking out. I was nervous and didn't know what was next. And God sent people in my life, in fact, uh, people in my life that I've met through Brownsbridge Church and, and people in, who are involved in, in the living room here at Brownsbridge Church to say, hey, we see that you guys are in a hard way. Would you like to come and stay at our house in that in-between time between your two houses? And it was one of those moments in my life where I realized that they don't benefit anything from this. They're not standing to gain anything. They're having people come live in their house and, 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 and be in their way and use their electricity and their water and, and all this kind of stuff. And they don't get benefit anything from it. But it was a way to show kindness to somebody in a way that like, hey, if you put yourself in their shoes, what would you want somebody to do for you? In fact, a good way to ask yourself how you're doing in this area is this, is like, what is it like being on the other side of you? Are you the kind of person that goes out of their way to take care of other people? Uh, recently, I was, uh, there was a, there's a Publix close to where I live and uh, I was in, in Publix and there was, it was one of those situations where um, a lady had you know, a grocery cart full of stuff. And it looked like she must have a family of a hundred living in her house. And, and it's just overflowing with, with groceries and, and all this kind of stuff. And she goes to get in line and right behind her in line is this like little old lady, like, uh, you know, the, the grandma that probably pinches your cheeks and, and, and tells you how, how good you are, Suge. And, and like one of those little old like Georgia grandmas, you know, and she's, she has like a basket with a loaf of bread and milk because that's all she needs for survival. And she gets in line and, and, and she's behind the lady with you know, mounds overflowing. And, and I'm one line over, I'm uninvolved. 
But I hear the, the lady with all the stuff, and she said, ma'am, why don't you go ahead and go ahead of me in line? She said, no, it's fine. I, I don't mind waiting. <laughs> and the lady with the, the grocery cart overflowing was like, we're going to be here for a long time. You should go ahead. You have a couple items, and you should go ahead of me. And it was one of those moments for me where you guys have probably seen a million things like that happen in, in, in your interactions and in stores. But it was one of those things where I observed it, and I thought, I want to be not only that kind of person that that uh, allows somebody to, to, hey, why don't you go ahead of me? I'm going to be a minute. But also, I want to be the kind of person that is on the receiving end of that. I want to be friends with the lady whose grocery cart is overflowing. A of all, she's got plenty of snacks. And B of all, she's the kind of person that thinks about how other people are influenced by her actions. She said, I'm going to be in line for a long time ringing up all these groceries. Why don't you go ahead of me? And I thought, that's a good lesson for all of us to think about not only how is my life affecting those around me? But how is my life inconveniencing the people around me? How, how is my life you know, affecting the people on the other side of me? And Peter would say, as long as you begin to think about others before you think about yourself, that's a great way for you to begin to grow in godliness. All right, so he starts with goodness. He moves to knowledge, goes to self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection. I like the word brotherly kindness better because it's more like the brotherly love thing. But the last one, I see why they said mutual affection, because the last one is actually love. And the word that Peter uses here for love is a very famous word for love that you've probably heard a million times if you've been in church for a very long time in your life, is this word agape. And the word agape is not like the English language where we have the word love. And I say, I love my newborn son, you know, even though I have to change his diaper and, you know, he is peeing all over the place and, you know, wrestling like a, like a baby alligator trying to get his diaper on. And I don't know what I'm doing because I'm a new dad. And, you know, I, but I love him, right? It's, it's difficult and it's hard, but I love him. And then I will finish that and I'll lay him down and he'll be asleep and I'll go downstairs and I'll open the fridge and there's leftover pizza. And I'm like, man, I love leftover pizza. And I use the same word for my newborn son that I do leftover pizza. And obviously my feelings towards those two things aren't the same. One, I mean, one tastes good. And one is, you know, like my heart beating outside of my chest. And, and for us, we have the same word because the English language is lazy. But in the original language of, of the Bible, they would have used two different words for that. And the, the word for like what I was talking about, about my son, about the, I'll do anything for you. I, I, will, I will clean up all the dirty diapers. I will, I will get up a hundred times in the night if I have to. I, I will do anything for, for this, this baby boy. That's the kind of love that our heavenly father uses in reference to us. It's this kind of love that, that Peter references here. And it's the word agape. And this word essentially is defined like this. The highest form of love that gives without the expectation of getting the kind of love that gives without the expectation of getting back in return. And if you think about it, the people in your life who mean the most to you are probably the people who love you with this kind of love. It's your, your, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's your, your significant other, maybe it's a, a grandma, maybe it's a, a teacher that took an interest to in you in high school and, and just like went out of her way to, to make sure you had everything you need to be successful. It could be a coach, it could be a small group leader, it could be various people in your life, but it's the kind of person that treats you in such a way that they do all the giving and never expect anything back in return. And so Peter says that this, this kind of the, the, the thread that if you weave it through all the other things, if you can love people with a love that doesn't expect anything in return, in that you will be as close to God as you ever could in your life. And so to sum up the kind of the, 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 the whole seven things uh, for second, second Peter chapter one, uh, I'm gonna read them all to you again, starting in verse five. And it says this uh, in, in verse five, it says, for 
this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. And then he goes on to say this in verse eight. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, I'm gonna pause right there. If you can have not only these seven things in your life, but if you can be growing in these things in your life, you know, back to the, the furnish thing, if you, if you will furnish your life with these things and more of these things and more of these seven things, so much so that your life begins to be defined by these seven qualities, these seven attributes, these seven uh, characteristics that Peter lists here. This is what he says. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. If you want to, you can totally be confident and comfortable. Hey, Jesus loves me. He died for my sins. I am saved and happy and going to heaven. And my life is what, it, it, you know, it is what it is mine. It is what it is. I can do what I want with it. But essentially what Peter's telling us here is that to do that is to, to really be blind through life and to forget what Jesus did for you. And essentially your relationship with him is going to be ineffective and unproductive. But if you begin to pursue the seven things that he's given us here tonight, if you, if you begin to make those a regular rhythm, a regular part of your life, you will begin to see your life have more meaning. You'll begin to see your life have more value. You'll see your life have more love and, and more people in your life that you wanna spend time with and people that treat you the way that you wanna be treated and hopefully you're doing the same to them. And then what you'll do is you'll begin to find yourself in the place that I think that every single person in this room wants to be. And that's smack dab in the middle of God's will for your life. Because I've learned in my life that it doesn't matter if you're a, a, a cowboy or an astronaut or a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or whatever you wanna do as a profession in your life, if you can add these attributes, these characteristics to your life, you will find yourself living out God's plan and God's will for your life. Because I believe that God has designed our lives in such a way that our transformation requires participation. It's not just gonna happen one day. You're not just gonna wake up in the middle of God's will for your life. You're gonna have to begin to do things to pursue godliness, to pursue a life lived like Jesus, to begin to change your, your, your definition or your measurements of what a successful life is and what it can be. And I know this and I feel like I've experienced this in my life because when I was in college, I spent, uh, if you've, Heard me talk at TLR before, I've probably said this, but I feel like I'm so passionate around this because I feel like I wasted so much time in my late teens and early 20s chasing the things that Heath wanted to do. I wanted to, to be well-known and respected and liked and good at sports and killing it at school and chasing girls and going to parties and doing all the things that made me feel good about myself. But what I found in all that is a hollowness and an emptiness that made me come back to God and say, okay, God, I've tried it my way. There's gotta be something better. And so I believe that the reason that you're here tonight, whether you know it or not, is because there's something within you. There's something that God is doing in your heart and there's something that he is leading you to be that draws you to this place on Wednesday nights. It's that, it's that leading to, to become, you know, sometimes we'll say become a better person, to, to follow Jesus better, to become a better Christian. You can phrase it however you want. 
where there's a drawing in your heart of God's spirit calling you to something more and something better. And I believe it's a calling to godliness and to living your life in a way that draws you closer to him and eventually makes you look more like Jesus. So tonight, my hope and my challenge for you all is that you'll begin to take these practices and you will begin to live them out in your life. As I was going through them, there were several of those that I feel like in my personal journey, I am not doing very good in. <laughs> the perseverance one was oof, <laughs> kind of a blow to the gut. And there was, there was, there was plenty of, of opportunities for me, like wisdom, who's speaking wisdom into my life? I spent all this time on stage telling you guys what you should do with your life. Who's doing the same thing for me? I felt challenged by tonight's message. And I hope and pray that there was something in tonight's message that challenged you as well.